0: Oh, to beat Tyler McComas this week. I See, don't even s- know where he is. I don't know where he is either, which I think tells us all we need to know about his status. He is off the grid.
1: New Mexico? Like,
0: yeah, probably New Mexico, knowing him. Yeah. Feels like a good week to be off the grid. I guess it's not all bad. We got an SEC schedule release coming tomorrow. We've, so.
1: we've got a schedule release. Uh, it sounds to me as if the 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 transfer portal situation and how that ties into defensive line coach Todd Bates has you flustered
0: <laughs> it's got a lot of people flustered on the text line man people right. are coming for Todd Bates neck
1: i guess yeah that's it doesn't have you flustered the reaction uh maybe has you uh frustrated right
0: i just it's irrational, man. That's that's how I perceive it. Yeah. And I I opened the floor to a debate with a texter that has been dubbed Todd Bates's nemesis mm-hmm. midway through the 12 o'clock hour. That texter did not call in. So we didn't get the chance to have an open forum on the Todd Bates situation. But Let- still, man, like my whole thing with Bates right now is there seems to be a segment of the fan base that wants to hold him accountable for what the Sooners didn't get at defensive tackle in last year's recruiting cycle. And they're already apprehensive about what Oklahoma's not going to get at defensive tackle in this recruiting cycle. And yeah. Steely made a good parallel. Said, look, a lot of people were out on DeMarco Murray as a recruiter after he landed zero, count them, zero running backs. That's true. That's a, in his that's a good first one. year." as a position coach, but where I kind of where I drew the parallel was, man, if you're going to still maintain faith in Brent Venables as the head football coach at the university of Oklahoma, after a six and seven season, why would you not also extend the same grace to Todd Bates when it comes to recruiting? Because when you look back on what he did at the uni- or at Clemson university, excuse me, he's recruited at an elite level in the past. Did it happen last year? No, it didn't. Right. But it's happened in the past. Like, there's reason to believe Todd Bates is going to be able to secure blue-chip talent on the interior defensive line going forward. It's not as if we're proclaiming empty hope here.
1: Let me ask this. Yeah. Um, Just so I get an understanding here. First of all, what do you think the... The breakdown of uh, pro Bates and anti Bates is. Well, are we talking about like a very small minority or is this at least a decently represented group? Well, here's the deal. Inevitably,
0: it's always a minority, Mm -hmm. but the minority always makes the most noise. Right? Right. So I, I imagine it's an. 80 20 maybe even 90 10 split between people who are willing to be patient with Todd Bates and people who want to come for Todd Bates' head. Right. But it's those 10 to 20% of people that overwhelm the discourse on the text line.
1: Okay. Now that is it's not an overwhelming group but it's not a it's not a small enough group that we have to dismiss their their opinion just offhand. So let me ask this. Is there ever a claim like to me you can't just say he sucks and he can't recruit. Uh Uh-huh. I you have to have a little bit of backing. Like what is it about his recruiting process? What is it about his coaching process? Like what is it exactly that he's not doing right? Because I'm I'm willing, <laughs> I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to understand. I'm willing to uh, to hear that point of view. I am. I just need like give me some specifics other than okay zero defensive line <laughs> recruits last year. Or however it well, however,
0: well there were there were two, but they're both three stars. Right, and then the third one was a four star, but obviously he just hit the transfer portal. I mean, look, him and Miguel Chavis are two peas in a pod to an extent. And you see those guys hanging out all the time. They have a really good relationship with one another. Obviously, they go back to the Clemson days. But their calling card when it comes to recruiting is one and the same. They're just really good at developing and maintaining solid trust and relationships Mm -hmm. with the guys that they recruit. Now, in this era of college football, Ted, as you well know, you can get one of two results— with guys that are real big on relationships, and that's the crux of their recruiting pitch. With Miguel Chavis, for instance, last year, never been a positional coach in his life. It was year one for him, not just at, at Oklahoma, but as an on-field foot, uh, football coach at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. He signs a five-star kid in P.J. Atabare who had a massive NIL valuation, but simply did not care. What he wanted was to go somewhere where he felt at home, where he felt valued, where he felt like he would be developed towards a future in the NFL. And for him, that was Oklahoma. For Todd Bates, what you got was a relationship, and a very strong one, with DJ Hicks, a relationship that in Bates' case dated back to eighth grade with Hicks. And that relationship got you on the cusp of securing his commitment Mm -hmm. until Texas A&M. Right. Right. And so the process with those two recruitments was much the same. The outcome for that one very significant reason was different. And if David Hicks says, "You know what? I want to go to Oklahoma. Forget what Texas A&M can offer me monetarily." If he takes the PJ Dabare stance and says, hey, you know what, no, I'm, I'm still all in with Oklahoma. We're not having this conversation right now, right? Yeah. And so where I get tired of the Bates slander is they want to hold him accountable for how the DJ Hicks fiasco turned out. But on the one hand, that's an exceedingly small sample size in his very first year at a new school. Yeah. And on the other hand... If you're in Todd Bates's shoes, what can you do? Yeah. What can you do when you're placed in that situation?
1: Well, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not in that world. I don't know what you can do. Um, you know, I I <laughs> guess it comes down to uh, here's the uh, you're just gonna you just kind of have to find the right kids. And there's not going to be a whole lot of kids. Like here's what he's up against, right? So if if I'm a if I'm a five star defensive lineman, okay, I'm I'm highly recruited. Let's say I'm a good kid, right? Yep. I'm I maybe not be the best kid, but I'm a good kid. <laughs> I've got good family. I've I've Kept up with my schoolwork. I'm, I'm driven. I'm motivated. I want to go to a place where um, my skills are going to be developed, right? And I have a chance to become uh, one of the best defensive linemen in the country. If I do that, best defensive lineman in the country is going to be a top NFL pick. I know that going in. So I want to develop my skills, Okay. Um, but I also know, and I would be foolish not to factor in money, also. Right now, relationship. Like, where is where is the line between relationship, skill development, and money? Like, there's three factors, and you know, feeling like places like home, the nice facilities. Everyone that you're going to be up against is going to have nice facilities, and they're going to have everything that you need there to you know, to graduate and to be. You're going to have all of that stuff at, at all of the top places. So I think I think all of that is kind of a wash. Right, where is the line? I want to be developed to be the best. I want to. Um, you you want to have an opportunity to play against the best and the money factor right um i it, it's hard for me to relate to the like the relationship thing and kids are different i understand like my, my mindset would always be like the relationship like i don't need trust i don't need um, I don't need like a family atmosphere. Frankly, I almost feel like a family atmosphere at times is it gets in the way. But I will admit that I do not think like most people. Okay, <laughs> I I totally understand that. It and that is prob that's it's probably more so a flaw on my end than it is anything else. But I guess like what I'm long-winded saying is he's up against the money. He's up against the fact that we haven't had a first round defensive lineman in a in a long time. Um, we haven't had a five-star defensive lineman in a long time. He's up against a lot of things. Now, I don't think it's impossible to overcome those. He's developing the right relationships with the with the right guys. I uh, I'm You have to have someone that can overcome the headwinds. And I'm willing to give Todd Bates time to to overcome those headwinds but I'll also say that it's I I I I also can't blindly say that he's 100% the right guy for, like I just don't know at this point you know what I'm saying I have to leave some of that open but yeah I'm willing at this point I'm still in the I'm still in the range of Let's give it time. Let's see how his guys play on the field, right? Let's see who improves. Let's let's see like to me that's the most important thing. Yeah, recruiting is going to be big, but I think they're going to get good guys in. I want to see I want to see improvement in the guys that are here for now. Like to me like that's how I measure it. And you got to have proof of
0: concept too, yeah. which is going to like There will come a point in time at which that's not something that Oklahoma has to overcome, Mm -hmm. but that time is not now. You can't sell guys on what happened last year because what happened last year defensively was kind of disastrous. Mm -hmm. You have to sell guys on the future and the promise of improvement based upon what we did at Clemson with X player and Y player and Z player and the unit as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I, so again, I like I hear what you're saying, yeah, and I'm I'm with you.
1: Here's like, the we, it's the the problem is. NIL, and I see a text here. Um, I see a text that says Todd Bates is one hell of a recruiter. If the NIL was not a part of college football, David Hicks would have been an OU sooner. You believe that, right? I do. Uh, and from what I have been told, and and I I, I believe that too. And I also believe that it's not just David Hicks isn't the only one, right? Exactly. The, you, we could we could put a list together. So I here's the like I, I agree with that. But NIL is a part of college football right now. Yeah. And we either have to find a way to be competitive in the N.I.L. or find a way to to maneuver around it somehow and I'm not I'm I just I'm not I don't mean like illegally maneuver I mean as a recruiter as a program like how if we're not going to be able to compete there which we need to find a way to do so but if not like how do we like what's our strategy to to overcome it yeah not easy not well, easy and I think
0: David Stone I've mentioned it several times throughout the course of this cycle. But to me, David Stone, the in-state five-star defensive lineman who now plays out at IMG Academy, he's the barometer for a lot of things. Yeah. One of them being, okay, how realistic is it for Oklahoma to go and do battle for a five-star defensive lineman? Because the harsh reality, Teddy, is if every five-star defensive lineman, defensive tackle I should specify, if every single one of those kids – is going to have their recruitment dictated by money. And that may or may not be the case, but that's what I'm saying. Stone's kind of the barometer. This will be in back-to-back classes now. You had a very good chance and, in fact, led for most of the process with the best defensive tackle in the country. Mm -hmm. Hicks didn't pick OU because of the money factor. If Stone doesn't pick OU because of the money factor, I think at that point there has to be a healthy understanding that it's not a Bates problem. You know, and regardless of who is filling those shoes as the defensive tackles coach, you're going to keep running into those same problems until or unless you're willing to dish out big money, which may or may not be something that Brent Venables and his staff are willing to do. Yeah. But, you know, you and there have been several on the text line that have suggested, well, if he doesn't land David Stone, then Bates just needs to go. Well, again, if you don't land David Stone, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt why you won't. And Name,
1: image, and likeness.
0: Precisely. You, you don't treat a diseased tree by pruning the branches. And what I'm getting at with that analogy is replacing your defensive line coach is not going to solve the deeper issue, which is that there are programs out there that are more willing and more able right now to pay big bucks for interior defensive linemen.
1: How do you repair uh, a tree? I mean, it depends. What? Well, because it's it's actually something I I need some help with. Now, oh, really?
0: I've, I worked for a tree company for two years. Okay. in high school or not high school in college. Actually.
1: This is great. I've got a persimmon tree in my yard.
0: Like an actual persimmon tree that bears fruit.
1: Yeah, oh, persimmon wow, okay. tree. Um, it's it, it, it's still small. It's probably. It's probably 15 to 18 feet tall. Okay. Um, but at some point, I hit the bottom of it with a mower. Ooh, okay. And it's got a sizable chunk out of it. But the tree, it looks totally healthy, totally fine. I'm just, like, there's got to be some, like, it's stunning the growth or something. There has to be something going on there. So. It's a sizable chunk and it oh. almost looks like it's getting bigger. Okay, so what you're saying is there's there's not
0: anything conspicuously wrong with the tree but you're convinced that there is going I, to be issues down the road.
1: I'm convinced that like it's stalling the upward growth of the tree because it hasn't really grown in it hasn't really grown up. It looks healthy. I just feel like, because I've seen some of the rap and stuff. Yeah. You, you're telling me I'm fine. Just leave it be. I would say if you don't have, like how long ago did you hit it with the mower?
0: It's been a while. Two, like maybe three years. Oh, wow. Okay. And in that time, it's grown how much?
1: Not very much. Okay. But it's full. It's It looks, it looks good other than the massive chunk. Taken out of the uh the base now I'm not familiar with persimmon trees. how high are they supposed to grow they get big okay they get big I had some at my house where I grew up that were i, I mean i don't it's hard to guess them big you like persimmon you like eating persimmon well not necessarily but deer really like them ah deer love persimmons persimmons persimmon
0: i don't know i tried a persimmon once It was actually not too long ago a few months ago with my fiance, who is into all manner of exotic foods mm-hmm. and you know persimmon is not typically something that you can just walk into the grocery store and find in the produce section no but tried one i was like yeah okay like i can see where i can see why deer would like that it feels like deer food
1: to me it's it looks kind of like an apricot i guess it does What's it taste like? What would you compare it to? Because oh it's been so long since I've had When I was a little kid, I had one. And we had persimmon. They were all over our property. So it didn't make, a, a from a fruit lover, it didn't make a big enough impression to where I went back for more.
0: <laughs> They're sour, kind of mealy. Yeah. not Not very appealing in taste or texture, at least to me. Okay. We're long overdue for a break. <laughs> Let's hit that real quick. We'll come back. Get this show back on track. Hit the Knippelmeier Chevrolet uh, text line with your questions. There's thoughts. a good
1: chance that we'll be stuck on tree stuff for the rest of the show. We may be.
0: We may be. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm out of here at three, so at that point, you'll have to bug Grill Boy with all of your uh, tree comments and takes. Keep it here. It's locked in on the ref. The Homer Sooner fans talking Sooner football recruiting and trees. Here on a Tuesday, Parker Thune with you here on Locked In, joined by the Buckus Award winner himself, Teddy Lehman. Tyler's on vacation all of this week. By the way, apparently we all get an extended vacation over the 4th because we're Mm. getting this control room remodeled, Mm. which, Mm. man, Mm. I can't wait for
1: that. Is there anything else we need remodeled around here? I say we just keep stacking things up and keep taking days. Well, that's
0: the thing. Like The room in which I sit... Is pretty much the only thing in this building that is still the same from when I started two years ago. Everything else has been remodeled, it feels
1: like. It you know what's awesome? What's that? When you come to work every day, it's like stepping into a time capsule. Um to i don't know 30 years ago what do you think i mean steely
0: you know he worked here in college which is going back to the early 80s because steely is of course
1: very old yeah and he tells us somewhere between 50 and 75 times a day yes now he has
0: said he himself has said this room has not changed at all since he worked here <laughs> right so there you go
1: which there's some cool nostalgia to that i mean it's not necessarily a bad thing but still needs some updating from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, listener
0: in the 310 says, Had persimmon trees grown up in the country, they can get 20 feet tall or more. We had to throw rocks into the persimmon grove if we wanted to walk through. Snakes like them, too.
1: Oh, man. I saw a video of a deer eating a snake. I saw that video, too. I was to like, it? what? He's just like gnawing on it. Pretty funny. Well, the persimmon trees at our house were well above 20 feet. I mean, I want to say, say 50 feet, but you're getting up there pretty tall. I mean, they were as tall as the big oaks that we had in big pines on our property. Mm. They were big. but
0: And oaks can get huge.
1: Yeah. Oaks yeah.
0: can get real big.
1: Uh, persimmons,
0: this comes from a 918 listener. Persimmons are actually sweet and make great pie if you eat them when they're ripe. If you get one that's not ripe, it's very bitter and leaves a dry feeling in your mouth.
1: And there might be some... Uh, like cooked in a pie brings out some sweetness in them too yeah. you know
0: I mean making a perfect example perfect example
1: you ever had rhubarb pie excuse me rhubarb no oh man i've never is this knew, not a, I've never even heard of a rhubarb I'll tell you man I guess is this that is, a fruit
0: I guess this is just a midwest thing so if you see rhubarb, it is so it's like the stalk of a plant and the leaves are uh, uh, i don't know if they're poisonous but you can't eat the leaves but this plant used to grow in our backyard mm. this plant's stalk it almost looks like it oh. looks like yeah. red celery is what it looks like, like huh. it looks like red celery but it tastes delicious wow it tastes like pro- somewhere in between a strawberry and a raspberry yeah but it just has this delicious it looks flavor. like
1: the leaf on it looks like a lettuce leaf. Yeah. With a red celery stalk as a or almost a purple uh reddish purple.
0: Yes. So again, huh. you would look at that and say, okay, that's like barely edible. Like that's the type of thing that you would see a deer eating. But wow. you make it into a pie, oh man. That's some good stuff.
1: I like how it's uh poisonous parts of it are. Yeah. Um
0: Straight up. Sooner Gundy says, how has Teddy not ever heard of a rhubarb? I don't know. I guess, like, I don't know. Maybe rhubarb isn't as popular culturally as it is where I grew up. Like, for instance, South Dakota, where most of my family is from. You drive into any diner in South Dakota, you can get a slice of rhubarb pie.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, it's It's pretty rare. I'm over 40 years old to uh, To find some food in the United States that I've never even heard of, like there's some things I've never tried. Most of them I'm I've heard of, but I've I don't think I've ever heard of rhubarb pie wow. ever.
0: Okay, well, next time OU is playing a game up in the Midwest, probably shoot. <laughs> yeah lawrence this fall is probably the last opportunity we're going to get to head to the midwest for a football game rhubarb in, in the office.
1: u.s is also often paired with strawberries to make strawberry rhubarb pie yeah man huh. can also be made to make alcoholic drinks fruit wines Finnish rhubarb sema huh interesting
0: a listener here in the 405 says, this has to be the best conversation I've ever heard on Locked In.
1: Trying to get you off of the uh, Bates stuff, you know, just to...
0: Hey, listen, to, I'm, a, I'm, to a, I'm down for bit. it. <laughs> anything but Todd Bates talk, anything but recruiting talk right now. Like, we can talk again after the Champion barbecue, and hopefully things have settled down a little bit since then. But it's like <laughs> it's like trying to tiptoe around a landmine right now.
1: A fruit-eating snake. Not saying it doesn't exist, but I've never heard of that. It may be one of those things where, um, like rabbits and field mice and all of that like the fruit and the snake lies in wait in the uh, persimmon patch. That's probably that's that's the
0: circle of life right there. That's That's the food chain that's right you want to see the food chain represented there you go it's like mice eats persimmon snake eats field mouse deer apparently (laughs) eats
1: snake snake goes well with persimmon i guess but uh yeah those snakes are like uh a nile croc waiting in the river for the crossing that's what's going on there (laughs)
0: All right, we got to hit another break already. Already, okay. We
1: ran way long
0: with the first segment. We got to get back on schedule <laughs> we'll, here. We'll
1: hit some uh, football next. We'll we'll be
0: come back. Hopefully, get back on track. Maybe not. Who knows where the rest of this hour will take us? It's locked in here on the ref. The home of Sooner fans stay here. Well, gauging the reaction of the Meyer Chevrolet text line, I think we've said all we need to say about rhubarb and persimmon. Teddy. Yeah. Although many have said, many have expressed similar sentiments. (laughs) This is the best conversation I've ever heard on Locked In. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or a dig. Uh, Take it as both. Two sides of the same coin, I suppose. Locked In here on the home the Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman with you on a Tuesday afternoon. Champion Barbecue is coming up. Oklahoma's first Mm. big official visit weekend is behind us now. They hosted 14 official visitors June 9th through the 11th. They've got upwards of 20 booked for this weekend at the Champ Barbecue. And, of course, the question that's on everybody's minds is, when does the next commit happen for Oklahoma? And there was, in fact, a listener in the 405 that, in fact, asked point blank, do you anticipate a verbal this weekend? And I would say with as many guys are going to be on campus – My answer would be yes. I don't necessarily know who that's going to be, but judging by how some of these weekends have gone for Oklahoma in the past, not just the Champion Barbecue, but the other big weekend they had last year in the month of June, as well as the party at the Palace at the end of July, yeah, I think you get out of this weekend with at least one verbal. Now, as far as the timeline for announcing that commitment, I don't know. Everybody likes to do things on their own schedule, on their own timetable, yeah. and it's just one of those things that you have to learn to go along with in the recruiting game. I will say it's refreshing when you get a kid like J. Sean Ross, the four-star edge from the Kansas City area, who is in Norman camping today nice. with Oklahoma, three days before his official visit. So he's here on a Tuesday. He's going to go up to Nebraska tomorrow. going to head back home on Thursday, and then he'll be back to Norman Friday for his OV. But – That kid, man, if you've paid attention to his social media activity, it's not any particular secret which school is his favorite. And in speaking with a couple sources around that recruitment, there's some optimism that he might be one of the guys that Oklahoma is able to close out this weekend at the Champion Barbecue. But it was so funny earlier, Teddy, because um, this, this comes on the heels of an evening Yesterday, where I'm getting notifications on my phone every 20 minutes from Jay Sean Ross interacting with Sooner fans in the comment section of my tweets. Nice. And so we're out there this morning. I told this story in the 12 o'clock hour. I'm sure there are a bunch of people listening for the first time, so I'll tell it again. Um, We're out there on the little half field outside the Switzer Center. That's where the offensive and defensive linemen are working. And the guy that drives by in a truck – with the window rolled down, and just yells, Boomer! (laughs) Nobody acknowledges him. None of the OU staff, like Bates, Chavis, all the assistants, all the players, nobody acknowledges it, right? Because it's just some rando passing on the street. The only person, the only person that responds is Sean Ross, who instantaneously, in the middle of drills, just swings his head around and goes, Suter! Nice. So there you go. That's how locked in that kid is or at the very least seems to be
1: well that's be, a good that's, sign
0: that's one of those at this point that i'd be very surprised if he isn't in oklahoma's class
1: now i'm just looking at the commit list right now six commitments you've got uh a nice little spread of positions couple of wide receivers safety corner quarterback offensive lineman um so you're talking about an edge there and the Ross kid. Yep. What's some of the other other guys, other positions, some of the players that may be uh, a commitment coming soon? Um, maybe not necessarily this weekend, but, you know, we're going to be middle of June here pretty quick. Yeah. And I don't know, a a fairly heavy percentage of kids like to wrap it up before the season starts, right? They do. So, they do. There's going to be some stuff coming in the next eight weeks, I guess six weeks rather.
0: Yeah, and I think by the end of July you're going to have the majority of your class locked in. It's just a matter of when those exact timetables fall. I do think the dam's going to break with the offensive line here very soon, and you already got one commit Mm -hmm. in Isaiah Autry, the kid from Tupelo, Mississippi. But seven official visitors along the offensive line last week. You got two more coming in this weekend it might be th- it's 3 it's 3 coming in this weekend so in the span of two weekends you got 10 official visitors on the offensive line spots are going to fill up fast when they do start to fill up
1: who are the and- biggest names that they're in on the offensive line for that have been through and are- who came last week and are coming this week
0: oh the kid i the kid i like the most teddy four star prospect from logan iowa mm. named grant bricks are you familiar with this kid at all no I am going to send you his huddle film. You will have a blast watching it.
1: Bricks with an X? Bricks or a... with an X. Okay. Interesting. Absolute
0: killer. Wow. Like some of the funnest offensive line film I've ever seen. Iowa? Yes. He's one of those kids where, like, you you watch the tape. It's not like he's trying to pancake you. It's like he's trying to actually drive you into the ground.
1: Is it possible to get a top offensive line uh, recruit out of the state of See, that's, Iowa?
0: That's the million dollar question, isn't it? Because it feels like every single one of those kids stays in state. Yeah. Which is, for the most part, factual. Four of the top five prospects in the class of 2024 in the state of Iowa are committed to Iowa. And the one that is Understandably not, so. Yeah. The one that is not is the highest ranked of those, and that is Grant Bricks. Wow. I can't explain why he doesn't have that same pull to Iowa and ISU, but. The in-state schools have been out of that race for a minute, and
1: he may be a it, transplant. He maybe is he from somewhere else, or is
0: he no, born man, and like, raised? No that's, a, that's okay. an Iowa farm kid all the way. His family, uh, they uh, they have show cows, so he was telling me about it a couple of weeks ago. He's like, hmm. yeah, man, every couple hours I got to go out and clear out the manure and feed them, and so I, he's just he's one of those country strong kids who's just grown up on a farm. And it's very, very evident that he never anticipated being one of the top 100 football prospects in the country. Wow. But, And I think also part of the reason why maybe that pull is not there for Iowa and ISU is that, yes, he's from Iowa, but in all technicality, he's a Nebraska kid. Logan is a stone's throw across the Missouri River. Gotcha. So he is far closer geographically to Lincoln. Is that kind, is, is, is that a to, thing
1: is there is there a fair amount of Nebraska fans on the western side of Iowa?
0: There are a decent amount and similarly there are a lot of Iowa fans in the yeah. eastern part of Nebraska. But uh that's why this recruitment has pretty much turned into an Oklahoma Nebraska battle. Uh he's a he's a very like deeply religious kid and so Obviously, a program like Oklahoma, given their current alignment, is going to appeal to him. Bill Biedenboe's track record of development doesn't hurt either. But he was in for his OV this past weekend. That's one kid I think Oklahoma is in very, very good standing with. And his only subsequent OVs from here are going to be to Nebraska and Kansas State. And apparently he's taking an OV to Alabama, but he doesn't have an offer, which is weird to me. Like, It'll I'm come. not exactly sure how that – works out but
1: it'll be good that he goes down there takes a visit he'll get an offer from him and he'll probably bump him up to a five star
0: yeah maybe so but I mean that kid will tell you like I'm only going so far from home yeah a lot of Michigan State fans in his family never really gave Michigan State the time of day because of the distance factor and he actually when I sat down with him back in January at his little school up in Iowa out in the middle of nowhere. He's like, yeah, look, Oklahoma's probably the school farthest from home that I would consider. Wouldn't go much further than that.
1: What was the kid's name in uh, Blue Chip that his parents wanted a new tractor to go play basketball?
0: I'm not familiar with Blue Chip. Oh,
1: yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot, yeah. Every time
0: we do radio together, oh, I think man. Teddy is once again reminded that I'm not a movie buff.
1: Uh, Blue, Ch- it's, it, you might, you you, this might be a movie you like. It's, Heavy recruiting. Okay. You know, a lot of recruiting violations uh, occur. Uh, eh, at least was it? it's realistic. Nick Nolte gets put in a tough position. It's like he's done it right his whole career, and now in order to get a good team together, he's, he's got to get Shaq. He's got to get who, – who are the other guys in it? Was it Penny Hardaway was the other guy? Or was it – I don't know. Whatever. Larry Bird makes an appearance. It's good.
0: Huh. I'll add it to the list.
1: Blue chip. Anyways, that's movie, what I'm, movie
0: I'm recommendation of the day.
1: Thinking of with uh, the bricks family out there in that small town. Yeah, new John Deere tractor.
0: But no, I'll, I'll text you as huddle man. Very fun football player. You
1: good looking a, kid.
0: Yeah, Kansas kid and Caden Massey that's visiting this weekend. OU's got a good shot at the center from Florida, Jason Zandamella. OU's in decent standing there, and then of course all the Texas boys. Ah, uh, Ricky Rowe.
1: Davis. I see it, Ricky Rowe on the uh, on the text line. Uh, Ricky Rowe, and I can't remember who the actor was that that played him. Um, And, yeah, it was Penny Hardaway. Hey, quick question. How many offensive linemen do you anticipate them taking in this group? Four, maybe five. Four, maybe five? Yeah. Good
0: deal. I think there's a lot of flexibility right now with the numbers. So, we'll see. Four, maybe five. That's what I like. All right. One more segment of Locked In coming up next here on The Ref. The Home Sooner fans, keep it right here. Winding down here on a Tuesday edition of Locked In. Teddy Lehman in for Tyler McComas. To the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line we go. Sooner Gundy says, Teddy doesn't know about rhubarb, and Parker, you've never seen blue chip. You two make one complete person. (laughs) Nice. I'm glad to know that we have so many rhubarb fanatics on the text line. It makes me feel validated.
1: Yeah impressive
0: EJ from Louisiana wants to know as we close things out with a few minutes to go here what commitment could be a domino effect for everyone else
1: that's a good question because I uh, it builds on what I was gonna I was gonna ask you I had a question for you but go ahead with that one
0: I mean it like it's the most obvious answer so maybe it's like I'm not being super innovative here with this answer but the answer is David Stone like you get David Stone in the class Especially with how hard he would push to bring everybody with him to OU and as much love as he has for the program. That will be huge for Oklahoma to be able to build momentum in this class going forward.
1: And that, yeah, that'd be big. Okay, is there, you probably get this question 5,000 times a day. Is there a time frame for Stone and for, Nunez, uh, like for commitment, do you think have have they? I mean, some guys set a time; others, you know, I, I guess don't. But
0: Nunez no, has told me that he is going to make a decision in late September, or early October, Oof. after the Oregon official. Oof, which I mean, look. sorry,
1: folks, <laughs> settle in on that one. That's going to be exactly. painful.
0: And and with Stone, I've heard some timelines tossed around. I don't think the kid has ever come out and said flatly this is when I'm going to make the decision. In fact, his sentiment has always been I'm just going to commit when it feels right. So I in general you cannot rely on timetables with yeah. five-star guys because there are a million hitches and bumps along the way that impact the decision timeline. So Yeah, I'm
1: just looking at the the top 10 uh and I don't know. I, this is off of 247. You've only got, what, four, five out of the top ten right now are committed. Um, Wesco, Sammy Brown, Ellis Robinson, the fourth, uh, Jeremiah Smith to Ohio State, and uh, Riola to Georgia. I mean, out of the top ten, it's. I figured there would be more by this point. And, oh, the last question quickly. Were, are you surprised that the Hawkins commitment hasn't brought more – kind of along with that?
0: I think we're going to see the returns from that very soon. Okay. Because with him being on the official visit with all of the offensive linemen this past weekend, with him being very tight with Devon Mitchell, who's set to announce on July 8th, as well as the work he's done recruiting Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham, OU's top two running back targets. Then you factor in Oklahoma trending very nicely right now for Zion Raggins, a guy that Hawkins is quite close with at the wide receiver position. We haven't outside of Zion Kearney. We haven't really seen the returns to this point.
1: Two but Zions OU's, in one class. What are the I, chances of that? I know,
0: man. Huh. And wow. Raggins in particular. Like that OU's just recently heated back up with that kid in the last couple of weeks. But the Emmett Jones effect, man. That yeah. guy can recruit his tail off. Yeah, and does,
1: it's and will stuff.
0: continue to at the University
1: of Oklahoma. All right, brother. Good times, man. That was fun. We hit a wide range of topics today. From persimmon
0: trees to deer-eating snakes to David Stone's commitment timeline. That's all for Locked In. Travis Davidson is going to step into my chair in just a moment. He's got you for the next three hours on The Rush. Travis and Teddy on the other side.